Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. Welcome back to another episode of the Everything Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nicole. And you may hear Danielle and I saying this a few too many times during this podcast episode, but we are very, very excited to welcome on today's guest. English teacher and workshop creator Ashley Bible has always felt like real learning doesn't have the traditional look of students quietly sitting at desks in rows. In fact, nowadays you'll find her students striking yoga poses while performing closed readings and creating art inspired by the literature instead of always just writing about it. In our conversation with Ashley, we discuss how utilizing our creativity and asking students to do the same doesn't mean that you need to sacrifice high standards or deeper critical thinking. By reframing the same task in a slightly different way, we can spark students' interests and make them feel like engaging with the content can be challenging while also being fun and relevant. This is a big one, and we're very, very excited to welcome Ashley Bible onto today's show. I would like to make one note before we dive in. Danielle and I are excited to be able to celebrate the holiday season with our family and friends, and therefore we are going to be taking a two-week break from the Everything Podcast, so the next episode will be released on Thursday, January 9th. We hope that you also get the chance to celebrate this lovely time of year, and we wish you happy holidays and a happy new year. Let's dive in. Welcome, Ashley. We are so excited to have you on today. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. So very good, Ashley. We have to say this has been this is a big, pretty big day for us. Danielle <laughs> and I are uh, geeking out a little bit. We're so excited to have you on, and I know Danielle can talk for a little longer than I can about this <laughs> due to her experience in the high school English classroom. But wow, we are so thrilled to welcome you on. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm happy to be here. And. If our listeners are thinking, I think that Ashley sounds a little bit familiar, that's because this is not the first time she's gotten a shout out on our podcast. <laughs> I am just such a big fan. When we did our episode about changes that I've made since coming back from maternity leave, I talked all about finding um, somebody that I really identified with because in the past, I've had the time to create the type of resources that I want for my classroom. Mm-hmm. And this year, coming back from maternity leave, I didn't. And over the summer, I was able to stumble across your awesome blog post on how to diversify your British literature classroom. And Aww. I needed to know everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you found that. I worked on that blog post. That was like a work of the heart. I mean, it took me weeks to research that and to put it all together and I've used so much of it um, but I wanted to have a resource out there for teachers like you um, who want to diversify their British literature but you know don't know where to start so that makes me happy that you found that. (laughs) Yeah it was the first like encounter that I had had with you and I could not stop raving. Nicole teaches Spanish and I was like, you don't understand. This is like the best thing I've ever read. I just, <laughs> it got me so pumped up to teach it oh, because good. I got the assignment and I was a little bit bummed about it because it was something I'd never taught before. Mm-hmm. And therefore I was a little, little intimidated, not, not so thrilled. And as listeners of the podcast know, I teach in a pretty diverse school Mm -hmm. um and as a result not only does the age of a lot of the pieces of british literature not necessarily create a lot of enthusiasm among my students but reading something that doesn't doesn't sound like you (laughs) that doesn't seem to like connect to how you identify might also not get you super excited about your your junior year schedule (laughs) you are so right i mean my school is not very diverse. We do have more diversity than a, a lot of schools around here. But even that, with that, I just wanted to make it more relevant for all of my students. I feel like mm-hmm. all of my students needed to have something that they could connect with 
today and british literature is a challenge for that but right um you can do it you know with a little bit of creativity and that is kind of your specialty so because i kind of jumped right into it because i'm just such a fan <laughs> let's back up a little bit tell us a little bit about you where you are in in the united states mm -hmm. and um what your your teaching journey has been like okay well um you might be able to tell from my accent that I am. I live in Tennessee. I was born and raised here, and I taught here for 10 years. Um, this year, I am not in the classroom at the moment, although I did kind of seek out a job opportunity yesterday. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you have Upward Bound where you're at. Yes. Um, okay. So they have a summer program, and They've asked me to teach in the past, but I never had the time because, you know, during the summer mm -hmm. and it just struck me yesterday. I thought I want to go teach there this summer. So hopefully I'll get that. But um, for right now for this year, I'm doing uh, consultations, a little bit of coaching with schools, I'm designing resources, I'm blogging and just I'm still in education. I'm just not in the classroom this year. Um, uh, oh, and the main thing, I, I knew there was something else. <laughs> the I put on two workshops a year with three other uh, teachers that I met online, and uh, it's kind of grown into something that we uh, didn't really see coming. I thought it was going to be a one-time thing. It's called Keeping the Wonder Workshop. Mm -hmm. We thought it was just going to be this one-time event. And it's turned in, we've done it four times now, and we're getting ready to start the planning process on our next one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So to say, you're describing your day-to-day. -day. I'm like, I think you may be forgetting something. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a pretty packed schedule. And although you're not in the classroom setting, you're still very much contributing to what teachers do on a daily basis and how students are currently thriving in the classroom. So we thank you for that. What does your typical day look like? Uh, so my husband is a middle school history teacher, and um, he's you know has to be at work. At, he gets there at seven twenty a.m. That's when I used to get to work too. So I still get up just like I was going to school. Um, I still get up at five a.m. Mm. and you know he gets ready, and I get ready and um, have my coffee. And then as soon as he goes to work, I go out to my office. I have this little cute little outdoor office that's kind of set in the woods wow um, yeah I go out there and uh work I work until lunch and then I um all that is like screen time work typing mm -hmm. researching putting together resources and then I come in for lunch and then after lunch which it was like this with teaching too but after lunch it's a it's a struggle <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to I have to have something creative planned for after lunch, um, something that I really, really want to dig into just to get the motivation to keep working. <laughs> I think a lot of us identify with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why the timing of this podcast was good because it kept me working until now. Until <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for making the time and telling us what you're doing recently, but we... I know because I, I'm an insider and all of you who teach high school English should definitely get on Ashley's email list like ASAP. <laughs> it's really important. Um, and we'll make sure we have links to how to do that and all that in the show notes. Oh, okay. um, and in one of the first emails you receive, we get a little kind of glimpse into what your early career looked like in mm -hmm. education. And if you don't mind, I'd love it if you could share that story with everyone. Yeah, it's something I, I just recently started talking about more. Um, of course, my husband and my my parents knew. I didn't know my husband when this happened, but uh, my parents knew and everything. But I just thought that recently I should talk about it more because it was a major point in my life. And I feel like um, a lot of times teachers don't want to talk about when bad things happen to them in their career. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a taboo topic or they feel like they're being judged or something. So uh, especially I think in the like educator influencer circles that that Instagram has created. 
Yes, yes. So I thought that I would just share, you know, a little bit about it. And it's hard to put in like a single post or a single email. It's just hard to put the whole what happened. But um, I got hired straight out of college. I applied to, you know, 50 plus uh, schools. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, this was in 2008, uh, right when the recession hit. Mm -hmm. And I applied out of state. I applied at um, Air Force bases. Wow. (laughs) I applied, I mean, everywhere. And I did have some interviews, but I didn't get the job. And then the rest of the time, I just didn't have any interviews. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have any experiences straight out of college. And, um, you know, I'm sure other people interviewed better than I did or had more experience than I did at the interviews. Um, So I got a job uh, waitressing and I was making good money doing that. And sometimes I'm like, I probably should have stayed in there that first year. at least. (laughs) (laughs) But um, 10 days into the school year, I got a call from a a school system and they said, "Uh, can you come in for an interview? And I did. And they hired me on the spot. Oh, wow. That should have been the first red flag. <laughs> um, but yeah, they hired me on the spot and they said, you should um, go ahead and go to your school and meet the principal. And I was like, okay. And of course, I was so excited and nervous and everything. The, the students had been there for 10 days already. So I thought, you know, I wonder what it's going to be like. They're getting a new teacher coming in and all this. So I go to the school and I introduce myself to the principal he takes me to my classroom. It's full of eighth graders. There were, I forget the numbers now, but it was high, probably like 27 to 30 in, okay. per, per class, wow. which mm-hmm. to some that's not high, but you know, it's just all relevant. But um, he takes me in there and there was a substitute there. They had a, had a sub all the whole first 10 days. Oh they, no. <laughs> yeah. And the reason this had happened is because this was a brand new school had just been built they opened it before it was actually finished um there were construction workers in there like basically that whole year but there were still students and um they didn't know how many you know teachers they would actually need until all the students got moved there and these students you i just felt so sorry for them because they were forced to go to the school they had you know, been in school from kindergarten to seventh grade with the same students in their little hometown schools that they knew, and they were mm-hmm. forced to go to this new school mm. with all different students, mm-hmm. like from all these different uh, other schools. Well, anyway, he takes me in there, and <laughs> he leaves me there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I thought I was just going to be touring. Yeah. And, you know, at least have a day to regroup. This wasn't even like on a Friday. This was like on a Tuesday. <laughs> but you know, he just leaves me there. And the sub was like, all right, you know, it's yours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And there was there was not a single thing in that room other than the students, the desk they and the desk they had. That It was a brand new school. It did not have a pencil sharpener. It did not have a single book, not a textbook or any other book. Um, there was not a single thing in any of cabinets. Like it was literally just this blank slate with 30 eighth graders. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, that must've been so nerve wracking. It was, it was. As your very first teaching job. Right. I cannot even my imagine. My very first teaching job. Yes. Um, and so the next day, you know, I, I, th- I think I turned like beat red that day and I was like, uh, let's do a get to know you. Like I, of course I had no idea what to do. Um, but the next day, like they were my students and I didn't know how to run a copier. Uh, we did have one copier in the building, but you're looking at a whole school with all these teachers. None of the teachers have textbooks. Like there are no books here yet. They haven't been ordered, delivered. They're not, they had a library. They had this gorgeous new library, like, and not a single book. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild experience. Um, I'm a huge believer in Harry Wong in the first days of school because oh, yeah. I can attest 
that because I did not get started out, you know, the students were there 10 days before I got there and then I was thrown in and I did not even know. Like I was like, you know, bartending. I had not thought of any strategies for <laughs> for what, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to be teaching that year. Right. Um so yeah, it didn't go well. Um I tried my best and I loved those students and they taught me so much um but my teaching style like I have always been the person who likes to try out things like I'm not afraid to fail I think you know if I do a lesson plan it doesn't work well there's tomorrow to do a different lesson plan so -hmm. that they can learn I just love trying new stuff mixing things up like having students engaged and just um being that type of experimental teacher um, and I did a lot of that, but it just did not fit the vision of what this principal had in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were actually two principals, and both of them were pretty um, set in that the students should always be in rows, working quietly on a worksheet. Mm. Um, and they were totally the most effective way. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know and then, yeah, I have used worksheet. Like, I'm not right. saying, you know, but my style was just completely different. But now I don't want to sound like I was like this great first year, you know, like all star teacher because I'm sure some of my lessons, you know, were not nearly what they should have been or anything like that. Um, and I learned so much. Like I, I, but that was the point. I wanted to grow. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. learn. I wanted to get better. And I sought out help. Um, the the teachers at that school were were amazing. They were so supportive. Even when my principals were not, they were just very very kind to me, and they were willing to help me. And uh, I learned so much from them. But but my principals never. Um, came to appreciate <laughs> my <laughs> my creative teaching style, mm-hmm. um, and they they also didn't feel like I could ever get my discipline under control. And I didn't even have a lot of discipline. What they thought was discipline was mm-hmm. the kids talking in groups, you know, working on an activity. Like I did stations where they're up moving around constantly, and yeah, they might mm-hmm. get out of line and not go you know, how students do, but they're still, for the most part, they were still doing what they're supposed to do. It just didn't mm-hmm. look like, like, a, like they wanted it to look like. So, uh, my principal, uh, at the end, after they had sent me to this, this, uh, <laughs> training, like all the way in Nashville for like discipline training. Um, oh no. Yeah. Like not this one, like on me, but like, you no, know, no, right, discipline right. Students. <laughs> Uh, we got that. <laughs> they probably did want to discipline me, but um, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they, they had done all this stuff, and they just felt like I would never be able to do it. Um, so they just, you know, told me flat out. They just said, "You're not, you know, cut out for this. Maybe, maybe you could go back and uh, teach elementary school. That might be a better fit because they oh. saw my my creativity as." Um, more suited for elementary and they thought since I was very soft-spoken that that would be better like the little sweet Mm. you know the little sweet kids and stuff Um, but I didn't want to teach that wasn't what I wanted to do I loved English I loved literature and you have to do secondary ed if you want to and I love the older kids I never mm-hmm. wanted I have subbed before for kindergarten and I think god bless those mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how they, <laughs> they they have their procedures like to a T you know mm-hmm. yeah um I just never I never want to do that I want to teach secondary so I uh, thank goodness got a job then the next school year at um the school that had worked at for the rest of up until now and they it was just like night and day they Mm -hmm. supported everything creative they Mm -hmm. loved technology they loved experimenting with different 
programs. They loved movement. Um, you know, it was just completely night and day. They valued what I was trying to do, but also I did, um, read the first day of school, Harry Wong book about mm-hmm. 10 times before school started. Cause I was so <laughs> nervous. I was like, I cannot fail again. Like I have to get, uh-huh. you know, I have to get this under control and make sure that the students respect me at all times and all this. So I read that thing like 10 times and I got in there and I had all my procedures down and I'm sure the students, I, they were, you know, juniors and seniors. I'm sure they were like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah. They're like, uh, <laughs> this is, you know, we're not in middle school anymore, but, uh, it worked for me and I kept that very strict, mm. like first few days of school schedule. I kept that for quite a few years until I yeah. was confident that I could, um, always maintain you know, good relationships with the students and do creative stuff. Ashley, I can't get over this story. (laughs) First of all, my heart goes out to you. I just picture myself or anyone that in a very, you know, vulnerable state in their first year, first few days of teaching and then kind of being reprimanded in the way that you were and having to go to a train. I mean, it's just for, for that lack of support. And I just... I feel for you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that that happened. Yeah, I, I can picture myself being in that state and you're questioning everything yes. and your confidence is not there to start and you're doing anything you can to please everyone you can. And you're just at the same time, you're trying to kind of make your mark as a new teacher and do what you think is right by the students, which it sounds like exactly what you were doing mm-hmm. and, you know, to not have been supported in that way. It just makes me think of other teachers who are in similar situations now maybe listening to this thinking, yeah, I feel, I feel this. I'm, I'm doing this right. I'm in this situation right now where I feel like my school doesn't understand me or understands kind of my perspective or why I do the things that I do. Do you have any advice for people in somewhat of a similar situation? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think back to that time too, and I'll just get this really sad. I mean, it was, I can kind of joke about it now, but it was, um, the hardest year of my life. Like, um, I had, I was the first person in my family to go to college and I always just had this like little thing in the back of my mind, like, uh, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Like, maybe I'm not smart enough to be in college and, oh. and I graduate and then I get this job and, and I fail like, and I had, I felt so alone. I had no one, I didn't want to tell my parents <laughs> because I just felt like, they were so proud of me for graduating and for getting this job. And I was a teacher and like my little grandma and my dad came to open house at my school. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Adorable. I know. I mean, they were just so proud, but secretly I was not doing well. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, I had gotten in trouble with the principals multiple, not, it's hard to say like in trouble, but right, right. I don't even know how to explain it, but you know, they would talk to me multiple times about expectations and, and how I wasn't meeting them and different things. And, um, so I made friends with people I could trust at that school, mm-hmm. um, which was, uh, I can't even think of somebody I couldn't trust at that school as far as teachers go, but, mm-hmm. uh, my little neighbor teacher, she was like this little bitty woman. She's like four foot tall. Um, <laughs> and, but her students respected her so much. And she had a completely different teaching style than me. She did prefer, she was a history teacher, but she did prefer very orderly, very quiet top work. Um, but, and I did observe her quite a bit, but I never once judged she was like an extremely effective teacher. Mm -hmm. And to me, I thought, well, everybody has a different teaching style. So I never judged her style and she never judged mine, even Mm -hmm. though we were completely, like completely opposite on that. We both um, knew that what I did wouldn't work for her and what she did wouldn't work for me. Because it has to, it has to feel authentic to you or else the, the students, no matter what their age are, they pick up on that. Yeah. Yes, they do. Quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is why I am so thankful that I found your blog and your TPT store because I have 
a small handful of students that had me as a teacher during their freshman year that have me again as a teacher during their junior year. And even though I'm using your resources, they don't seem to see any difference in how my my classrooms run, the types of things that that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you are listening to this thinking like, I really need the help in terms of like getting getting the content. I don't have the amount of time. Maybe you are also at a school where they don't have as many textbooks or they don't have the textbook that you know your students need, things like that. I really think that like making sure that you do the homework on the back end of finding that person that you resonate with that sounds like you when you're going through the resources instead of just the first thing that you find is invaluable. <laughs> that is that is such a great point. Um I'm sure that teacher blogs existed back in 2008. <laughs> I'm sure they did. I just didn't know about them. Um, and as a first year teacher, when would you have had time? I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure I found ideas from you know places though. I can't remember where I got them, but um, I, I even though my neighbor teacher didn't teach like me, she supported me and she didn't judge me. Mm-hmm. And so my first point of advice would be to find people that you can trust at your school. Don't shut yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that will help you. Everybody has a way they can help you, even if their teaching style is not the same or their subject's not the same. Mm-hmm. She had so many good tips as far as um, procedures for my class and different things like that. She, you know, helped me out a ton, even though I didn't use I didn't mimic her style. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and then, you know, nowadays, though, you can find, just like you said, you can find people who who validate your beliefs on education. Mm-hmm. They're out there, you know, teacher gram, blogs, different places. Like, you can find people who you can connect with to make you feel... Um, like you're doing the right thing and just to give you a sounding board or, a, you know, support a community, I think. Um, I know I wouldn't have continued teaching had it not been for a few of my teacher friends that I had at that school. Mm. Um, I wouldn't, I would have just had to do, I probably, I guess I would have gone back to waitressing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things that I think is really powerful about your story is that you went on to find a different school that fit your teaching style, your educational vision Mm. way, way better. Um, I think that the first school you were at, it sounds like the things that you value and we're going to dig in to the the value of wonder and how to add wonder to your classroom in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But it sounds like the people who were in leadership roles at that school identified that quality with being like juvenile. Yes. Um, That's something I just want to touch on because I feel like I've heard that. I mean, Danielle and I both like have higher voices. Our range of (laughs) speaking is higher. (laughs) We're like petite women. And I feel like we've both kind of gotten that sort of like, oh, you'd be great in like an elementary school setting for just those two reasons alone. And <laughs> and the fact that, you know, I love creativity in the classroom and so does Danielle. And it's just like this kind of strange stigma that isn't even necessarily true for elementary. I, I don't know. It's just like a confusing I form agree, of feedback. Yeah. I just, I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it's not helpful, but we so appreciate you sharing that story and the vulnerability there. Cause I think that more than one teacher's listening to this right now being like, yep. <laughs> well, I will say that today, um, maybe sadly, I don't, you know, know the right word, but I feel like teachers have a lot of options now on where they can teach um, because the turnover rate is so high. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, though, like I said, I had applied to 50 schools and right. didn't like this was the only one I got. And I felt like my world had ended when I couldn't teach there anymore. Like I felt that I didn't think there, you know, I didn't realize that something better was coming. But nowadays, you know, if a teacher gets hired today, like her first job, 
and she just doesn't click or he or she doesn't click with that school definitely search somewhere else there are different schools that value different things find you know find a fit for you yeah so well said and as Danielle said, we do want to kind of dive into this this keyword that we're going to keep going back to today, and what it seems like maybe sparked this this question that you had for yourself about what it really means to keep the creativity in the classroom and mm-hmm. to spark something within your students that maybe doesn't look like kids in a row with a worksheet. Maybe it looks a little bit different and mm-hmm. something that we both completely resonate with. And part of the reason we're just so very thrilled to have you on, and we just really want to dive into your handle and your, um, your seminars, um, everything all together, keeping the wonder, building mm-hmm. the book club, everything mm-hmm. all together. Can you talk <laughs> about what creativity means to you and how this has all kind of evolved? Sure. So a lot of times, um, I can just remember, you know, when I was in school, I loved school, especially elementary school because, I have always been a creative person and I, it just seemed like you got to do so many cool projects like in elementary school and the teachers just seemed to have more of a creative spark than, than in high school. Um, I did have a few creative teachers in, in high school, but um, it just seems for the most part, like society on a whole, like they take secondary um, classes very like more serious Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and serious has to look a certain way. And serious <laughs> to them is, yes, a certain vision of what mm-hmm. they expect. And especially with all of the pressure of test scores and all this. Mm-hmm. But I have always been a firm believer that if you can get students interested in something, if you can get their creative minds working, that that is going to, first of all, make your test scores better because if they're interested in something they're going to be more likely to read the thing you're trying to get them to do or Mm -hmm. comprehend whatever you're trying strategy you're trying to work with um but secondly creativity is like the number one needed skill Mm -hmm. we're preparing students for jobs that haven't even been created yet yes (laughs) Um, they are going to have to have creativity to succeed in this world. Um, and I just think it is a skill that that you can teach, that you can add into your classes, and that you can uh, make work for your benefit, you know. Yeah. Have and great test scores and also have a fun class. Definitely. And I feel like, especially at the high school level, um, sometimes students haven't been asked to think in those ways in such a long time that when you present them with something like that, they, they're lost at first. They're, they just don't even know what to do. Um, Nicole and I have talked about um, wanting to kind of use what we did for our virtual summit and bring it into our classrooms and have our students actually put on virtual summits that relate in some way back to the like content area that Mm -hmm. you're dealing with in your subject. And that was so, so very similar to the um, essay prompt, the like real world essay prompt. Mm. And I'm going to give your Brit Lit bundle a shout out (laughs) now because it's awesome um, about Beowulf. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are listening that don't know, um, essentially the topic is she has several mentor texts and they're all kind of like surprising things which would be like five lessons that you can learn about blank from this really 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 old school piece of literature (laughs) and when my students initially gave me their like proposals for that paper I just kept getting things like five lessons about loyalty from Beowulf. And I'm like, no, that's what it's about. You, it needs to be more unexpected. <laughs> and they were like, but, but why? But how? And I was like, what do you do here at school? And the one girl said that she's a pitcher on the varsity softball team. And I said, could you do a paper about five lessons you could learn about softball from Beowulf? And she's like, Yes. And I'm like, that's what you want. And she's like, really? I can write about that? I'm like, 
Yes, because that is the kind of thing, the kind of like outside the box thinking mm -hmm. that they might have to do if they want to produce content to get somebody to their blog for a digital course that they're going to sell <laughs> on whatever in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Uh, and I agree that students are sometimes uh, what what kills me is when they want me to tell them exactly what I want for mm -hmm. them to get an A. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's I, I want you to be creative. I want you to think outside the box. I don't. I'm not looking for like a specific thing. They think um that I already have in my mind what I want from them, and mm -hmm. and a lot of the times I don't. A lot of times I just present them something, and I want to see what they can come up with. Actually, that makes complete sense. And I think we're always trying to build that level of out-of-the-box thinking, especially working with high schoolers, right? That's always our goal to get them to think about that career readiness for jobs we truly don't know about yet, mm -hmm. even even the majors that they're going to major in in college and just trying to get them to build those kind of lifelong learning skills. And along with that same path of getting them to truly be lifelong learners, I do want to reference one blog post that I found to be particularly lovely and something I just totally connected with, which was all about podcasts in the classroom. Mm. And of course, Danielle and I are huge podcast fans, of course, and <laughs> we have a lot of love there. But, um, you know, I just I wanted to shout that out in, in particular, because I think that the way that you frame so much of your work is not necessarily about how can I make this teacher's life easier and create something that's ready made and printable and pretty and ready to go. But I think you just take it so many steps beyond that and really demonstrate the value that this is bringing to students' lives and the skills that it's addressing and, and teaching them. And, you know, you even go so far as to implement the Common Core standards. And you just you just give teachers all these tools to make this type of learning really applicable and something that isn't just a one-and-done kind of practice, which, you know, we keep talking about how much we just adore all the things that you create. And I think it just kind of comes back to all of the ways that you're just addressing the needs of students and teachers alike. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about kind of like your process when it comes to writing one of your blog posts or even just sharing about something that you're interested in? I feel like you just have so many angles that you're just very conscious of and very considerate of. Oh, uh, well, first of all, I'm glad that you mentioned that specific blog post because I love podcasts. Um, I love listening to them. This is the this third one I've been on. <laughs> That's a little bit more nerve-wracking to be on one than the listen one. But when you um, sent me, you know, the directions for this, I was like, oh, what's this app? Mm. You know, and I thought immediately, I was like, I bet so many teachers would love to know this app <laughs> so that their students can create a podcast just from their phone. Mm. Yeah. Because I get a lot of questions about, have you ever had students create a podcast? And I haven't done that, but it's definitely doable. And a lot of teachers do it. Um, I'll get to your questions in a second, but with the podcast thing, uh, I have like so many mentor podcasts for students that it'd be so easy for them to listen to one and then create one. And they would be doing the same amount or more writing, making, you know, the podcast outline, the podcast, uh, script and stuff like that as they would in a traditional essay mm. but they would have so much more fun doing that and they would be more into it and they would learn real world skills you know yeah do we sense a new blog post coming <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> uh how i go about writing blog post i guess i go by questions i get or yeah want people to know like I am so passionate about podcasts and a lot of times I feel like I'm just you know speaking into the wind <laughs> I'm like you don't know there's this whole library of free diverse texts that are entertaining that's on your phone and on the kids phone I'm just, you know I feel like I uh, want everybody every teacher in the world to List, have their students listen to a podcast. Mm. Um, so I think if I want that, I've got to make it accessible. Teachers do not have time to go listen to all these different podcasts and figure out which one they might be able to use in their classroom. So if I do that um, because I like it and then make a blog post, 
all they have to do is pick out something that goes directly with their curriculum and they can play it. The students will love it and they'll love this new form of media that they're getting to use. Yeah. And I, you do I make think it. You summarized it. Yeah. <laughs> your, your blog posts are always incredibly detailed and mm. super actionable mm-hmm. right then and there, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. I think is so very, very useful. Um, and you mentioned that it's something that often stems from a personal passion yes. of yours. Um, and I think that we, we want to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, so you mentioned that one of the things that you do is you, you run Keeping the Wonder. Can mm-hmm. you tell us what that is? <laughs> yes. So, um, I, you know, I started my Instagram account a few years ago and I would post creative lesson ideas on there and, and teachers started to like them, which is always very validating. Um, but, you know, I kept getting questions about it or, uh, you know, like, oh, I used this and like they would tag me and then something they used and mm-hmm. I, I would try to share it more and all this. And I just found that a lot of people followed me because um, they loved my creative approach to things. They had never thought about teaching it that way or doing that strategy. And they loved having those ideas. Um, So that's always been like a common theme. Now, Mm -hmm. I never knew or set out to create a workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It has been a lot of work. But uh, I was reading a a home design blog of all things. And yeah, and she had blogged about it said the cutest children's bookstore ever and I clicked on it and then on her page are like these gorgeous photos of this bookstore in Monroe Georgia it's called the story shop and as soon as I saw those pictures I knew I wanted to do something at this bookstore it just grabbed me the idea would not let go um and I turn to Instagram, I have found three people, uh, Doc Cop Teaching, The Engaging mm-hmm. Station, and right on with Miss G. I knew they had a similar teaching style to me. They liked creativity and movement and thinking outside the box. So I just said, hey, would you want to do a little workshop at this really, really cute bookstore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had never met before. Um, and they all said Yes. Oh, and that's why you put out the ask. <laughs> yeah. And they, um, the first time we met was the like, uh, evening before the workshop. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and we put on that workshop, 50 teachers were there. They loved it. They kept thanking us for it. Um, it was just a, a magical day. And as soon mm-hmm. as it was over, I decided to relief. I was just like, thank goodness that I pulled that off. Cause I <laughs> never dreamed I would do something like that or, you know, be the one in charge of a workshop. Um, but the other girls, their reaction was, when can we do this again? <laughs> and <laughs> so they kind of talked me into doing it again. Um, and we've done it, like I said, four times now. Um, but every time, even though that first workshop, I was inspired by the, the venue, like that's what I Mm -hmm. wanted. It was a children's bookstore, but I wanted the theme to be, keep the magic, you know, what that bookstore represents. It's like all these children's books, the magic of those books, the decorations are just stunning and you could get lost in there. And I just wanted to have the theme of let's keep this magic that teachers can create and books can create with little kids and let's bring that up to the secondary level. Mm-hmm. Let's try to keep their love of learning through creativity um, and innovative projects and things like that. So for those who are listening going, yes, that <laughs> sounds like everything I want for my classroom. How do I do that? <laughs> Could you give us some action steps that are maybe some easy ways that we can incorporate some 
some extra wonder into our classroom, no matter <laughs> what subject we teach. Uh, sure. I try to think of it um, as this might not seem very wondery when I first say this, but when you do it, you know, it, it, it does create it. But I try to make sure every lesson has one form of movement, mm-hmm. has one real world connection Mm -hmm. and has something artistic nice with movement some specific strategies that you can use um when you're talking about a scale like um like a a judge would have a scale i can't think of the Mm -hmm. right word right now um and you're weighing your options Mm -hmm. so like if you wanted to use this argumentative writing or you could even do it with characters and different things. But if you wanted to weigh two options, uh, just have your students make human scales. So they'll be in pairs. They'll stand up and they'll put their hands out like uh, a scale would look like. Mm-hmm. And then they, the other, their partner will have sticky notes or a piece of paper, whatever you want. And their job is to write down, they can write this down before they stand up, but. They're going to write down the evidence of both sides. And you can do mm-hmm. this as a whole class too. just have one scale. But, um, and then they just stand up and you place the, the piece of paper in their hand and they're kind of acting like a scale, like the one that goes down the further. That's mm-hmm. the weighted evidence. That's the one that wins. So if you're going to write your <laughs> argument, that side, you have your evidence there and you know that, that side has the most weighty claims. And all you're doing there is taking something that you would have done anyway in the classroom, which is making sure that you're supporting your argument with evidence from the text. But now you're you're just adding this one uh, almost a little bit like silly, definitely super Mm -hmm. whimsical um, kind of component to it. And students are just kind of like caught off guard and they're like they are okay and of course they (laughs) of course they'll think it's silly but that's the point like Mm -hmm. it is silly it's you're you know acting you're like a little kid um some other things i do i always set my room up to where it constantly had um places for groups to rot and so we would meet in the four corners that was a way to simple way to add movement um I do literary yoga. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like um like if you're talking about a flat character, you make a flat back. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. If you're talking about Nicole's really into yoga, so yeah. she needs to know everything about this. <laughs> if you're talking about a dynamic character, they make circles with their hands. So oh like you gosh. could say, you know, John Proctor, like just throw a name out there. And they would have to get into the the uh, position of what they thought he was just little things to and wake them so up adaptable to any class like it does mm-hmm. not have to be literary at all and I do think it's the kind of thing that a lot of people would like write off as something that won't work for their classroom or their students or their age demographic um my very first teaching job was Um, teaching ESL to adults and they were studying for a standardized test and I was the youngest person in the room and (laughs) one of the most fun activities we did was we did um, introduction writing uh, relay races yes and other people were like but don't you teach adults and I'm like yeah don't adults like fun too I I don't understand (laughs) (laughs) of course it would work yeah, um, that reminded me of the last workshop I did, not uh, Keeping the Wonder, but I went to a school with just uh, just me, a sc- and um, I went to a school there with the, the humanities group, but there's a, um, a soccer ball. You can link this to my blog, too. I have all the questions they can download, um, but I just made this soccer ball. We had listened to a podcast episode, and I'm like, all right, send it. Let's get in a circle. They're all adult, and we played Socratic soccer ball. <laughs> Uh, where you can you can play it hardcore like a game. You can pass and block people <laughs> with your refute. So if like if somebody says something that you have a refute to, you can block them. Um, nice. Yeah. And, the more competitive folks. <laughs> yeah. We didn't do it that way, but yeah. I mean, if you think to when we have to go to PD and you sit there for 
hours. Mm-hmm. You zone out. You're not engaged. Yep. Um, just getting the blood flow and getting up moving is always good. Yeah. Yeah. So formula. So our formula for creating wonder in the classroom. We got step one: incorporate movement. Try step, to incorporate movement. Yes. Try to incorporate some point. movement. Yes. Sold. And, <laughs> We're in. And. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who did attend our total teacher workshop, we actually had an entire talk on incorporating movement oh, into your awesome. classroom. Um, and that was run by a fellow Spanish teacher, yep. in fact. All right. She calls them Baile Viernes, Dance Fridays. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> um, so I we'll make sure that, that we, we link to that too, because if, if people want to check that out, they, they still can. So step one, try to incorporate movement. Step mm-hmm. two, try to incorporate real world connections. Tell us more about this. Well, this is where the creativity part comes in. Um, as a teacher, you probably have hopefully you have lots of different interests uh for example i like podcasts but i you know listen to all different kinds not just teaching podcasts i Mm -hmm. listen to all different types of podcasts so i get a lot of ideas from that i love uh my dog i love training my dog (laughs) um i love you know different i love crafts i love different things and so i i think as a teacher if you you know, look into different things, have different hobbies. It can spark ideas. Mm-hmm. And I just try, I don't know how these ideas come, but I just try to always make something connected to a, something that is in their life today or mm-hmm. in my life or that and they might see in the future. I'm going to go ahead and give an example uh, okay. of one that you have done. Uh, the Canterbury Tales is something that I was not required to teach, so I was mm-hmm. planning on not doing that <laughs> until you paired the Canterbury Tales with uh, social media and the idea of being on a road trip in order to kind of like modernize it. And my students yes. loved it. Yes, that is a great one. Um, you reminded me of all these. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you're interviewing me. Um, yeah, so. You know those um, <clears throat> brochures? I'm sure you get the Spanish ones a lot, like to visit Spain, like the oh, traveling yeah. brochures that they want you to take your students on these trips. <laughs> yeah. I just sent an email out to my the teacher in my school. I said, I need those because they just, you know, throw them away. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, so we were doing the Cambrai Tales, and then I brought in all these travel brochures, and I had the students find rhetorical appeals in the travel brochures. And then I had them find the imagery because they really talk up these locations, like Mm. the Mm -hmm. taste, the different types of food you'll have and what you'll see and all this. And so they had to find rhetorical appeals and then imagery. And then they had to write a, um, their own pilgrimage that they would Mm -hmm. take. It had not religious or it could be religious, but it could be anything, um, that had meaning like a place they would travel to that would have meaning to them in some way. And they had to create like this mock-up website that had rhetorical appeals to get Mm -hmm. people to join their pilgrimage and had the imagery. (laughs) And again, real, real world application. You don't know what, what the job market looks like in the future. And you're having them practice all of these different things. Um, I had students making, I had my freshmen, um, one of the options in a choice board project that we did earlier on in the year was they could make a travel brochure for one of the locations in the short stories that we read at the beginning of the year. But Mm. those destinations were places you would not want to go. Mm -hmm. If people remember high school English, um, if you remember the story, The Most Dangerous Game, where, (laughs) spoiler alert, um, the character on the island hunts people. That is the most dangerous game. They were yes. making, making travel brochures for that. They were <laughs> hilarious. The, so the students were able to like practice parody. It was great. That is awesome. I love that. <laughs> That's such a good project. We're ready for step three. I can't wait for it. Mm, I forgot what I said. <laughs> art. <laughs> I've got movement, real world. Movement application. <laughs> and, and art was step three. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, this is okay. I'm with you now. Uh, Art. So sometimes this is stuff that the students create, such as a word art summary. Mm -hmm. Um, All that is, is 
if you like if you teach context like British literature, you can give them the context of a time period to read. And then instead of just telling you, you know, what the context is or summarizing it into words, they um, put it into art. So they put their summary into an artistic form that spells out like the Renaissance. Um, mm-hmm. Each letter would have to summarize one part of the context of that time period. Wow. Um, but I've had teachers tag me. They've used it with characters, with book titles. You can use it with anything. Mm-hmm. That's one way to incorporate art. But another way is like a little bit, maybe the students aren't doing the art, but I love uh, having on ambient channels when they mm-hmm. walk in. So my very simple like best little tip to give is that anything you teach, literally anything, you can have find an ambient sound and video for that. Yep. <laughs> so like with Lord of the Flies, you can make it this utopia beach setting. There's waves crashing. It's beautiful, sunshiny. The water's glittering. You can have that projected on your board for the first chapter when they first come in there. And then later on, when you're on in the book, you can turn this to a very dark and creepy jungle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just li- it's just little things, but it, it makes the room different when they walk in. They're like, ooh, something's going to happen today. This is I different. I cannot wait to try that tomorrow with my juniors. We are reading the scene where Banquo's ghost appears. So I already have the creepy haunted castle um ambient soundtrack that you recommend <laughs> yes. ready to go and they are just going to be so surprised we have been doing because we're we're reading we're reading Shakespeare we're not reading the no fear Shakespeare we're reading Shakespeare yeah. uh-huh. and it's a struggle for them but we're getting through it mm-hmm. and they're they're acting out all of the parts and it is by far my smallest class it was my biggest class um I had over 30 kids and so on day two they divided the class and now I'm down to 17 kids, um, which is great. Um, But that means that when we're acting, I need to have a lot of class participation because Mm -hmm. I can't rely on just the group of kids that typically raise their hand in order to like handle all of the parts. And they've Mm -hmm. been really great about it. So I think that when they come in tomorrow, um, this is a really, really feasible way to perform like, a total classroom transformation without any money spent. (laughs) No money or no time. It might take you uh, maybe 30 seconds, you know, to look something up on YouTube and hit play. Yeah, it's so simple, but when you use it sporadically, they love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also reminds Uh, me of an episode we did with Kayla Dessert, who talks about classroom transformations, connecting mm -hmm. with her students and the power of music, the power of sound. Mm, and yeah. since then, I've had just some really wacky Spotify searches. On my <laughs> <end>. <laughs> but it just truly enhances the mood and it, it does give the students just that extra little boost to get them engaged if they're not already there. So we're 100% behind you there. And like yeah. Kayla teaches elementary and Nikki presented at the Total Teacher Summit about classroom transformation as well. And again, an elementary school teacher. And why are we kind of like pigeonholing this really great um, resource for ourselves Mm -hmm. into just those grades. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Wow. I thank you for these steps, first of all, because it it has helped me to kind of visualize how I can make this work in my high school Spanish classroom. And of course, in a high school English setting, secondary and so on. So thank you for those three easy steps. I I definitely want to start to maybe reframe some of the things that I'm working towards with my high schoolers. Um, Well, and I do just want to add that when I say I try to incorporate those three things into every lesson, it's definitely not every day. Like there mm -hmm. are some days that we, that nothing special happens. It's like an ordinary day. If every day, you know, if I played an ambient sound every day, then it wouldn't, it would lose something. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Or if we colored something every day, then (laughs) we'd get tired of it. But um, as far as like, I do try to do movement because my classes were 90 minutes long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I did always, uh, every day, try to have something movement related um, 
because otherwise they would zone out and yeah. want to mm-hmm. sleep. I mean, you, I just, I had to personally. I, that's exactly <laughs> my point of view as well. I have 60 minute classes and I'm like, I got to get, like, we got to move. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. 100%. No, it's, <laughs> it's great. It speaks to the, you know, they walk into the classroom and there's a lot of anticipation going on. They're not sure, you know, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And it, it really does help to bring that kind of extra level and something that I think everybody who's, you know, thinking about this as the school year is kind of reaching, you know, December, month of December, January, you want to kind of refresh and what easy, you know, simple ideas in, in their own concept. But, you know, when it comes to actually putting it to practice, I know that can look a lot of different ways. It's just a nice reminder of all the more or less um, practical approaches that we can, Mm -hmm. you know, just update our lessons a bit or update the way that we even present information to our students. It's just, thank you for that. I can't wait to implement these. I know that I have a little bit of a head start with my juniors because of your guidance, but I'll be able to do this even more so with my freshmen too. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you for talking to us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's truly an honor. And we'd love to <laughs> shout out any place that we can connect with you and our audience can continue to follow along with your journey. Yeah, I am at Building Book Love on Instagram, and that's my blog. Um, and then the second thing we've got going on, like I said, it was unexpected, but now it's turned into <laughs> Keeping the Wonder. So that's a separate website and a separate Instagram account. So those two places. Wonderful. But make sure you check out both. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again so much. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.